0: Yeah, everything's Great. good. Yeah, but um, the West Coast of Florida got hit a lot worse than the East mm-hmm. Coast did. Um, their fence went down, but luckily my brother-in-law, he works mm-hmm. for an equipment rental company, so they were able to get um, power back right yeah, away. Yeah, that's so Because you can get a generator.
1: What is the goal of these uh, headsets?
0: Can you hear yourself?
1: Um, not really, no. I mean, I can just...
0: Okay, try that
1: absolutely (laughs) you can hear yourself yeah i couldn't hear anything before i just had it i had
0: to turn it up
1: (laughs) i wasn't sure i was like wait is that like so that i don't hear anything upstairs
0: (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) no it's so uh it's so you can hear yourself yeah like my my setup look my setup is so improvised like no
1: i like it it's great
0: um i think that's what the spirit of the show is
1: absolutely Mm. mine is so far like that too
0: like, um we have these headphone splitters because I don't have enough actual headphone mm-hmm. jacks. Yeah. So it's just stuff like that. This is actually the headphones are a new the newest addition to the podcast. I was gonna say
1: you did not have the headphones no. last time. That's so funny.
0: And today we have Lauren Gomance of SoulFit Counseling and SoulFit the Podcast. Lauren Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Yay, I'm so glad to be back.
0: Yes, honestly, last year's episode with you got a great response.
1: I'm excited. And it was so funny. Like, I remember we finished the episode, and just the way that you looked at me, you were like, wait, you don't have your own show? And yeah. I was like, no, I, I I don't. And so after that, I felt inspired. I was like, Lauren, you're doing this.
0: <laughs> I told you to start one. You did. That night. I was like, "You can, you can definitely <laughs> do this.
1: Yeah, it was definitely because of you. So thank you for that.
0: Hey, you know what? I'm honored.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's been good so far. It's been slow, but this year it's definitely going to happen more. There's three or four episodes up now.
0: What have the episodes been about so far?
1: So far I did an episode with my brother, and it was really kind of funny about college and therapy. He's a therapist too. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, wild trauma history, you know. Um, and then another episode I've done with Gerard, our friend, mm-hmm. and then just a couple of solo episodes.
0: How are the solo episodes?
1: Honestly, great. Gerard told me they were gonna be tough. But I had a blast with them.
0: It's honestly the the hardest episodes that I have to do. Are solo. Solo. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because for me, and you can tell me what you do on this. I mean, mm-hmm. this is inside baseball to everybody listening right now. Yeah. But I'm I like write everything out word for word. Uh-huh. So I don't really like doing that as much anymore. Like if anything, I want to do like an opening and closing monologue and then have bullet points. Mm-hmm. How did you do it for those episodes?
1: So I've only done two. The first one was really just an, an introduction to who I am as a person and then what I do for career and everything like that. And then the last one that I did was on how to manifest your year and how to plan out your year. Um, and then I talked about how 2022 worked out. And then all of these different things that I planned, travel and stuff like that worked out really well. So I just explained that on the second solo episode.
0: How can you manifest your year? We're still (laughs) still in the new year. Yeah. Enlighten me. I want to try and manifest this year. What advice do you have for me?
1: I love this. So I think it's so crucial to write down what it is that you want. And so what I did last year, it's honestly just a piece of paper. You can get really creative with it if you want, but I didn't do that. I wrote down the different aspects of my life that I wanted to be different or just great things that I wanted. So I had a travel category. I had a spiritual category, um, workout category, and then financial. And I think personal as well. Um, And it's so freaking nuts. So one thing that I put on there was Ireland because I've always wanted to go to Ireland. But I was like, there's no way in hell I'm like not dating anyone and I feel like that's kind of somewhere that you need to have a partner to go with and stuff like that and I texted my friend Kat and I was like what are you doing for Saint Patrick's Day and she was like actually me and Lisco are gonna go to Ireland and I was like hey I hate to be like a weirdo but would y'all care if I'd go too? and I'll get my own room and everything and she was like hell no come on so we went to Dublin for Saint Patrick's Day um And then that happened with New York as well. I'd never been there. I had that on the list of somewhere I wanted to go. And by August, September, I was like, I don't think it's going to happen. I had messaged friends. I felt like I was trying really hard. And for me, if I pull back and just kind of let it go, it's almost like things go so much better. Do you feel like that for you too?
0: Yeah. No, I think life has a funny way of pushing you in the direction Mm -hmm. A, that it wants you to go and Mm -hmm. it might not be your best, what you see as the best option. You Mm -hmm. might be in the shit for a minute. Yes. Um, And then B, as soon as you kind of let go and let up, shit just starts falling into place. Yeah,
1: I swear. So I had given up on New York. I was like, well, that one won't happen this year. And then for New Year's Eve, I asked my friend, Kat, again, shout out, Kat, love you, um, what she was going to do. And she was like, oh, we're going to go. Well, she said Dubai. And I was like, Ooh, I I can't financially do that right now. And then she said, actually, we're going to do New York. And it was just the best group of people. So much fun. They had been before. So they told me they pretty much planned the whole thing. And I just tagged along. <laughs> so it was a blast.
0: What was Dublin like?
1: Phenomenal. It was amazing. You would love it. Have you been to Ireland? No,
0: I haven't. I've, n- I've actually never left the U.S. before.
1: I could see you thriving in Ireland. Really? Yeah, I feel like you'd love it there. Everyone is so friendly and just great. Um, I stayed in Dublin. I wanted to go stay in Galway a couple nights, but I didn't have enough time. I was only there for eight days. But every day I went somewhere different. So I went to Blarney. I went to Galway one day. Um, Northern Ireland yeah we went all Belfast we went all over
0: it's beautiful oh, at it's least so in gorgeous. picture the pictures that I've seen
1: it's so gorgeous yeah
0: so you were able to manifest both Ireland and New York City
1: yeah and actually Hawaii too my grandma she and I, Hawaii yeah she, I wrote that on the list but I was like that won't happen this year most likely and then my grandma was like hey I'm gonna do one last trip with all the grandkids if you want to go to Hawaii this year and I was like Holy shit, that worked out. So, yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah, it sounds like you were able to uh to get it all done.
1: Yeah, I think it's this balance of like masculine of writing down what you want and putting energy towards that, but then the feminine and I know we're going to get into this later of just kind of letting it flow and releasing your grippy little hands on it you know like Mm -hmm. trying to force things and I have such a history of trying to like force things that I've gotten so much better in the past couple of years of like fuck it if it's not supposed to be it won't be
0: yeah no I think that's something I still struggle with is the the forcing and like imposing my will
2: yes (laughs) because
0: I'm default aggressive in life I'm not necessarily like aggressive with People. Maybe I am to the point to where I make people uncomfortable a little bit. That's true. Yes, I'm guilty. But um, in life, I'm kind of the same way. Mm -hmm. And this past year for me, like up until really October, things were just not Mm -hmm. fucking going my way. Like I had applied for a job last year Mm -hmm. that I was supposed to start on April 1st. I left. The bands I was playing in, mm-hmm. which at the time it was the Weird Sisters, Violet Moons, Norfleet, yeah. TH3. I was playing with a bunch of different people. I'm like, I need to focus on my health and I yeah. need to have a job and kind of rebuild my life. Mm-hmm. Um, So my last gig was scheduled on March. Uh, I think it was like 13th or 18th or something along those lines. And the next day I was supposed to start this job. Mm-hmm. My gig was on a Sunday night that friday the company reaches out to me and says hey it's a no-go on the job they already sent me all the equipment they were doing mm-hmm. layoffs no yeah so i was pretty much fucked i mean i was still able to drive for, yeah. for uber and lyft i had a source of income but i was i was sick of shit back
1: mm-hmm. then yeah
0: so things weren't going my way and um I still just kept trying, applying to jobs, applying to jobs, applying to podcast producing jobs, radio jobs, Mm -hmm. sales jobs, whatever it was. And then eventually I started doing sales for my roommate, Danny, because he owns Mm -hmm. a couple of companies. One of them is Nashville Carpet Cleaning. Uh So I was doing sales, making calls for him. And that was like really, honestly, in a lot of ways, my first victory of the year yeah where it was finally like people were picking up the phone and i was talking to them i was getting sales Mm -hmm. right away
1: yeah it was like that
0: first day danny was like this is perfect this is exactly what i needed
1: so it's like once things were pretty bad and then once you finally were like all right i guess i almost just give up it kind of worked out (laughs) yeah
0: and then not long after that we moved in here and i got the job Mm -hmm. that other sales job that i was telling you about yeah um and, like, right away, things were going good with that job. And mm-hmm. it's, like, as much as I'm not a person who uh, who likes having a job. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, um, you seem,
1: like, a very free-spirited. But you are disciplined, though. It seems like whenever I'm looking at your podcast and watching episodes, it feels like you definitely do a weekly episode. Um, and you stay on your A-game with that, it seems like.
0: I try to. Yeah, no. I think having discipline in life, and I, I'm not – not perfect. Like there there are plenty of other areas where I, where I lack discipline.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: just as far as the things that I really want and I obsess over, mm-hmm. um I pretty much stick to. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I can I can kind of get caught up in is being too rigid sometimes mm-hmm. with the way that I do things mm-hmm. cuz I'm so used to doing them that it's easy just to bang out an episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the main goals in life is to not be rigid to, and to not be too, I what's the opposite of rigid, like fluid? It's somewhere in the middle. It's,
0: it's somewhere in the middle. Um, to kind of play off that point, though, I would say one thing that I've learned,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and this is
0: a, a Bruce Lee quote, mm-hmm. is, to, is to be like water. Oh yeah. And to take shape of whatever container that you are in cuz a mm-hmm. water water can be ice. It can be in a glass, it can be in a dog mm-hmm. bowl, it can mm-hmm. be on your car windshield. Mm-hmm. And it's just there and I think there's something yeah. to that, you know, that's I'm always striving for an enlightened perspective. I don't Absolutely. know if I'll ever reach it, but I think yeah. the pursuit of it is what is noble.
1: Well, exactly what you just said of being able to be um, fluid or be able to change with whatever your environment is, I think that is crucial. But one thing that I teach in therapy is that we're not too far this way and we're not too far that way. We're somewhere in the middle. It's not this black and white thinking of this is all bad um, and this is all good. Of course, there are things in life that are very inherently bad and that we do not need in our lives, et cetera. Sure. But that we can be more uh, moderate with that. And I think it is kind of a spiritual practice.
0: Yeah. No, I would agree. I think things like uh, meditation and yoga and all mm-hmm. of that, like for so long, I was, I wasn't even really able to do yoga because I was so sick.
2: Yeah. The past
0: week I've done it more than I've done it in the past year. Yeah. And, um, my mind is just, is just in such a much better place.
1: Yeah, I almost can tell. You seem more zen right now than you definitely than you did at this time last year. Yeah, which, I was yeah. down,
0: low. like I was depressed last really?
1: year. Really? Well, I, you were pushing through though. I couldn't tell. Yeah,
0: I I lost um pretty much most of my independence to the point to where I would have to get a ride to the the mm-hmm. Kroger that was 5 minutes from my house cuz mm-hmm. I couldn't drive myself mm-hmm. and through time, I've been able to um, to adapt mm-hmm. to the changes with the the health stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I also, and maybe this is childhood shit, I never want to burden someone else mm-hmm. with my problems.
1: Yeah, it most likely is some childhood yeah. shit. I'm it, the exact same way.
0: Yeah, I, I always feel guilty. And like, that's the other thing. It's like Danny, um, my roommate, owner of Eat Sleep Rock Nashville.
1: And <laughs> also, out.
0: yeah, Nashville Carpet Cleaning. He has really had a front row seat to all of this. and. He moved mm-hmm. in um, to the last place we were living in March, mm-hmm. and we didn't really know each other all that well. Mm-hmm. We just kind of respected each other. We're both mm-hmm. business minded, all of that, and we we've gotten like a lot like closer over this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just given me like so many chances, and has been understanding of where I am. He can tell the
2: mm-hmm.
0: person I am versus what my circumstances were.
1: Yeah, because my
0: circumstances were bad.
1: Well, like you said, I'm sure he understood that if you were having to ask for a ride that you probably really needed it. Did you start to get better about asking for what you needed? Because that's been something on my, like, therapy and healing journey that I've really had to work on is asking for needs and wants and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like you, I also didn't want to ever be a burden or ask for too many things, Mm -hmm. et cetera.
0: (laughs) It it got a lot easier. um, And partially it was due to to really everybody in my life Danny of course was one mm-hmm. of them my older sister was another person she knew I was struggling she's mm-hmm. she had talked to me about it same thing with my dad because my my dad he was he's he's amazing mm-hmm. like he's incredible um, yeah he um he's just very loving and very kind and he's always been very supportive mm-hmm. and um he knows like so much of this last year too like, what I felt was my identity yeah. was taken from me, uh-huh. which is my ability to work. And Oof, yeah, that's that's part of it. But that shouldn't be the only thing that my identity is. A
1: hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. I always explain it to clients like um, legs underneath the chair. And so we want to have like a purpose with career. And then if you're in a relationship, that's another leg. Maybe your fitness journey, that's another leg. And then um, your spiritual stuff, that's another leg. So that way, if we were to lose one leg, even if it's just for a time period, like what you've experienced that you're still OK, you still have the chair, it's still setting up. But, yeah, it's just a process of making sure that you do a pretty good job of building and making all of those legs sturdy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I had to um, I had to make those other legs that you mentioned more mm-hmm. sturdy. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they weren't, you know, I really learned the value of th- family. Like mm-hmm. I, I would never say before that I was really a family oriented uh-huh. person. Yeah. I can get blinders on really bad. Yeah. And then whatever is in front of me is what I notice. Yeah. And what I'm working on. I can yeah. just go without, t- I could live on an island alone by myself. Right. For maybe like six months without noticing anybody else was there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now that's not really the case. Yeah. Like, as, Especially after we moved in here, there's just so many people coming and going in a positive mm-hmm. way
2: mm-hmm. because
0: he does own the business. So all of our buddies are coming over. They work mm-hmm. for the business mm-hmm. and just our friends, yeah. we, you know, stopping through. Because mm-hmm. before at the last place, the place I was doing at the yeah. podcast at before, it was really just me most of the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And I don't, it's not good for me. I've, I learned it's not good for me. To isolate. To isolate. Uh-huh. Um, I just go within myself.
1: Yeah, and it can be good for a time period, of course, for us to need that time alone to reflect, et cetera, but not for too long, because, like you said, you can stay there.
0: Yeah, I made um, I made a habit out of it almost mm-hmm. for for years on end, and I kind of I would go out and I would gig and do other things like that, but. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a self-imposed, uh, exile and I still Mm -hmm. do a little bit, but I'm also still getting better. So there's other like outlying factors to that. But, um, yeah, it was so much of this past year has been learning about those, uh, those things and like my flaws came right to the surface.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When I hear you talk about it, what I make up is that even though it was a really shitty experience, it's almost like you fell down so that you could figure out what you need to feel like a more whole version of Taylor and just to create a life that feels a little bit more close to people. It sounds like yeah. and more open and
0: you I was almost, very distant.
1: Yeah. You almost seemed like a more soft version, which I think, and I know we're going to get into this, like when it comes to men, women attractiveness, I do think that it's more attractive when men are in that energy of both. Like, yes, I'm, I've got my masculine energy, I'm working, et cetera, but also I'm soft and I'm loving and it's, it's hard to get there. It's a process. I'm- Do you hear
0: that ladies? A therapist said that about me. Yes. Keep that in mind. Um, You're but- like
1: sending that clip out. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll put, I'll put, I'll put that one out on all my social medias. Um, but no, yeah, no, I, th- I think it's important. Um, I mean, we can, we can kind of get into that a little bit yeah. because there's, uh there's so much talk right now. Mm-hmm on the internet which i even hate saying that Right. But, um about like to- toxic masculinity uh-huh. you know and one of the mm-hmm. things that we had talked about mm-hmm. prior to this episode was was andrew tate
2: mhm
0: andrew tate a he's an entertainer yes. so i don't 100% take seriously everything completely
1: agree yeah
0: yeah i everything think a lot of says. it's for show <laughs> it is he's he's flexing on people in his particular audience this is going to sound horrible okay
1: Beta males? Um, I, what's that? Beta males?
0: Well, it's it's incels.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Do you know what an incel is? I actually is? don't. I okay. should have Googled that. So, <laughs> an
0: incel is um an involuntary celibate. So, okay. someone who wants to have sexual relations with a woman, but they can't.
1: Right. Okay, got it. Got
0: um, it. But, I, I will say some of the things that Andrew Tate says about society in mm-hmm. general-
2: Makes sense. Ma- makes
0: sense. Mm-hmm. But- in that culty kind of mm-hmm. group leader, cult of personality thing, they always have a hint of truth. They always mm-hmm. say the thing that everyone is is thinking and knows to be true, but mm-hmm. no one basically has the balls to say.
1: Mm-hmm. It's giving Hitler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> or well, something along those lines of like, yes, there is going to be some aspects that completely make sense. And you're right. I think a lot of the followers that he's had, it's almost like they look up to him and they maybe they have um, some anger towards women. I'm not really sure exactly what that's about, but yeah. I think that comes from probably insecurity or feelings of not feeling whole. That kind of thing. What do you yeah, think?
0: Yeah. I th- I think that's part of it. Like as a man, like the the and I I will listen to to Andrew Tate and hear what he has to say, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm also not a person that's at risk.
2: Yeah. You know no. what I mean? Yeah. Like,
0: um, I think he's funny. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm entertained by him. I yeah. laugh at some of the crazy things he says. Uh, but I think so many of the guys who like religiously are into him and take him seriously
2: uh-huh.
0: are guys, like you were kind of saying, that they have some anger towards women. They're also. They're those incel kind of dudes who might shoot up a school. Not all of them.
1: Yeah, but some could be. Yeah. Also, I think maybe some of the narcissistic behaviors, as in they're trying to gain power over people, which is never going to be a healthy thing. And I know that word can be overused. I'm not saying personality disorder. I'm just saying narcissistic behaviors, which, of course, everyone can have narcissistic behaviors. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Narcissistic personality disorder is unhealthy and maladaptive, of course. Um. Yeah. So I think it's confusing if he's. I think a lot is for show. It's somewhere in the middle between maybe show and then he believes some of it. Who knows? I wonder. Is he still locked up, or do we know anything about uh, that? What
0: you're <laughs> referring to, just, just for people listening, yeah, is uh he got busted for um human trafficking in Romania. In Romania, yeah. What I what I heard was that he basically runs like these sex cam like puppy mills mm-hmm. where it's a lot of different mm-hmm. rooms and he recruits these women Women, yeah which naturally look no I, I will never make a judgment on someone doing that to make money
1: of course yeah
0: but i think you know there's a certain stereotype that comes along with it dad's right. not around has a lot right. of issues with men the the kind of the uh that type a, a really aggressive man just mm-hmm. telling you what to do i think for those women, it, it strikes a raw nerve with them.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, you can... Someone's got to do it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: And what's funny is probably a lot of the people who are, like, Andrew Tate disciples are also probably, like, checking out those sex cams. Uh-huh. Because they can't have a conversation oh, wow. with them wow. Yeah,
1: long. that makes sense. That makes sense. I watched a little clip on YouTube of something that he was hosting where he asked these men to fight actual MMA fighters and stuff and it seemed terrifying I was like no this is horrible and I felt bad for the guys but of course that's not my journey so they chose (laughs) to be there
0: (laughs) yeah well you know I I do think there is something to be said for methods like that though
1: Uh uh-huh yeah
0: you know what I mean like I think like, I'm not a person who engages in physical combat, but I think it's natural and right. human, the human genome to to try and fight.
1: Yes. And it actually made me think a lot about how things have changed since maybe World War II or things like that, especially for men. And then the dynamics of men and women, because obviously at that point in time, men had to just be able to fight, be ready to fight mentally, physically, all of that. To give their lives. To give your life. And so that is something that it's lost in a way, of course, to be understood, you know, right now.
0: Yeah, I think, um, too, the, the other thing with it is there's a lot of men who have been peddled bullshit Mm-hmm. a lot of their life about mm-hmm. how men are supposed to be
2: mm-hmm. um
0: both in bad and good ways
2: mm-hmm.
0: um like andrew tate he is what he is he mm-hmm. uh, i the way i see him he's bad nor good mm-hmm. um i see someone like joe rogan as a form of healthy masculinity or uh the rock.
1: Agreed. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. They're
0: positive male role models. Mm-hmm.
1: They're both masculine. They've got that stuff. They've got the power. But then they're also, in a way, feminine because they're good listeners. Um, they care about learning. They care about emotions to an extent. They're not going to just sit there and cry the whole podcast. But they do. Yes. it's that balance. Why mm-hmm. do you
0: think those are seen as feminine qualities?
1: Mm, I think inherently... And culturally, it's been more feminine qualities. It doesn't mean that it is a female that's exhibiting that. Of course, it could be a male or vice versa. For me, a lot of my life, I think I've lived more in the masculine energy. Mm -hmm. And then that's something I've really had to work on kind of coming back to this middle ground of allow. Like I said earlier, allowing people to help me or allowing things to flow and not pushing things so much with work or with money financially stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, So I don't know exactly why it feels inherently feminine. I I don't think it's a bad thing either way. I do think that a goal would be somewhere in the middle and it depends on the period of your life that you're in. Like last year, you might have had needed to be a little bit more in your feminine um, of receiving, I would say.
0: Yeah, no, I think, um, It's all life is all a process, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think when it comes to trying to find yourself, it's a never ending journey. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, the social media thing really uh, fucks with their minds a lot. Mm -hmm. And this constant barrage of like TikToks, whatever. Yeah. It it affects them negatively. It's too much. Yeah, it's it's. Well, we're not designed as no. creatures for to live in the world that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Like, we're designed to be living in huts and, like...
1: Be out in nature. Yeah,
0: and fighting mm-hmm. and reproducing and all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the I don't know if this is this is a bad bad or a good thing, but a lot of people in our, our generation, like, I'm 31, I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, they buck up and they figure shit out once they have kids and they mm-hmm. have someone to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel lucky that it hasn't happened to me yet yeah. that I know of.
1: <laughs> the facial expression, if you guys could have seen it, it was yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's um, it's kind of crazy to think about because even, even talking to my dad, my dad, mm-hmm. even when I was down and out, he tried to cheer me up one day and he was like, look, you're not married. You yeah. don't uh you don't have any children, you don't have a mortgage.
2: Mm-hmm. You're
0: also not divorced yep. with kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so you're in a good spot. This is unfortunate. Yes, but he was showing me the uh the silver lining my yeah. entire life. That's what my dad has always done. He's
1: He sounds awesome. He is awesome. Yeah.
0: Um but he's very much about f- always finding the positive in the a silver situation. Lining. Yeah. He
1: might be a 7 Enneagram. That's what I am. You know
0: what? I think he, I think he
1: we're, like, the enthusiast, um, very good about finding a silver lining, connecting people. We love communication. We love our people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's, um, it's interesting because he, in a lot of, a lot of good ways, he's the opposite of me. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, he's, he's much more, uh, quiet and, mm-hmm. like, a little more introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, my love of music, like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: one of my all-time favorite bands is CCR. Uh-huh we always listen to CCR on road trips. Yeah. And like after a while when you're a kid, you're hearing the same shit over and Mm -hmm. over again. You hate it. And it was that way for the Eagles for me too. Like I heard so much of the Eagles that it was not good anymore. Yeah. And then I went years without listening to them. And I was like, actually, this is pretty good.
1: Yeah. Loving it. Yeah. That's funny. Um. Yeah. So I'm not really sure to the original question about how does that... What do you think on that? Does it seem more feminine? Or why do, why do emotions and feelings feel more feminine?
0: Well, I think women are naturally nurturing creatures.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They're designed to carry and care for young.
1: Yes, yeah. Um,
0: and there is something to be said for that. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of uh, dudes... um. Once, once you're a man in this world for long enough, and life kicks you in the balls enough, and there's mm-hmm. no one there to, like, mm-hmm. there, there are people there to, to help you, but at the end of the day, you have to find the solution. Yes. Um, and being a man in this world, I feel like we're, we're just expected yep. to have a fix. Yeah. Which I don't mind. I'm cool with that. It doesn't bother me. It can weigh on you for sure. But overall, it's like once you gain a little bit of life experience uh-huh. and know-how of how to solve problems as they yes, arise. that
1: awareness. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm. Awareness of the world and then self-awareness of you in a situation.
1: Yes, I love that. So one thing I just saw in my head is like being versus doing. And so that contrast um, and being in nature, just being at peace, relaxing into that flow state – versus that doing state of action, fighting, work, whatever it is. Um, yeah, but you're right and I think the guys that have felt forced to be in so much of that doing state and of course it used to be rewarded so much of men being the provider and that was that was why you quote unquote were valuable, that kind of thing. And then with women now being able to financially be in a similar sometimes better place than men, depending on age and career path and stuff like that. Um, It's caused everyone to have to shift in dynamics. And one thing I do with my ladies is I work with them on how to be a healthy feminine partner, also having boundaries and being good about using their voice, that kind of thing, but not... um, demasculating dudes like making sure that they value guys for what they're bringing to the table and that kind of a thing if that makes
0: sense. Yeah 100% no I would say in the past more so in my 20s than you know now Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like I dated a lot of women who had resentment Inherently mm-hmm. towards men, yeah, because
1: I, it's a thing for it, sure.
0: It's one hundred percent a thing. Toxic femininity—that
1: is a thing. It's
0: a thing. That no Depp,
1: one... what's, what's her name? Uh, Amber Heard. Amber Heard. Woof, <laughs> that yeah. was a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that's a great example of yeah, that. You yeah. Yeah. Um, it's
1: all a way of trying to control, which is actually out of insecurity and fear. Um, it's not healthy.
0: No, no, it's it's uh, it. It can really take a toll on a relationship too. Mm-hmm. Um, And it it would confuse me a lot, you Mm -hmm. know, because I would feel like, well, I'm just a dude. This is not something I can control. This is just the way I am. (laughs) Um, And of course, you know, there's something to be said for being a a good listener and being a supportive person and all Mm -hmm. that when you're in a relationship. Those are all important things. But I think when the other person is unhealthy, like when the woman is unhealthy Mm -hmm. in the relationship emotionally, It's if one partner is unhealthy, then no one is happy.
1: Absolutely. And one thing I tell my gals, I work typically with more women um, and then the LGBTQ community, but I work with males as well. I'll tell my gals is like, make sure you are encouraging. And then also, I don't want to say praising. That sounds a little extra, but um, affirming when a guy is communicating with you in a healthy way, because oftentimes it's something that they didn't grow up with. It sounds like your dad was phenomenal and he helped you understand how to communicate in a healthy way. But often it was just like, do the only feelings that you can feel are anger and, you know, a couple others, et cetera. But yeah, I think it's just important for these ladies to really help and not just have that resentment and expect a guy to know how to be a healthy partner of course that's his own journey as well but it's it's a process and you can have a teammateship with it
0: absolutely i i think there's something to be said for that i think the other thing that can happen Mm -hmm. is the moments where you finally do kind of open up and let loose a little bit you can get your teeth kicked in And, again, this is the experience I'm talking about I had in my
1: 20s. With maybe some unhealthier people. Exactly, Mm
0: -hmm. 100%. Going back to that toxic femininity thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, they say, oh, yeah, I want this, I want this, I want this. And then all of a sudden you give them that and they lose all respect for you.
2: Yeah. But
0: what I learned over time was that that was something that had nothing to do with me.
1: Amen. You're so right. Um, and I think what did have to do with you, though, to call you out is that awareness of who is healthy to share that vulnerability with and yeah. who isn't healthy to share that vulnerability. One hundred percent.
0: You're absolutely right about that. But it,
1: of course, that's a process of learning that yeah, as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It was it was definitely a, a process Um, because it was like I was in so many different relationships in my in my 20s situationships, if I'm yeah. going to be real. <laughs> yeah,
1: you told me about that yeah, last time.
0: Yeah, it it, I was n- always noncommittal. You, you said know? last
1: time you were like, the girls would be like, oh, we're dating? And you're like, oh, we're dating? Like- yeah.
0: yeah, and that's a, a lot of the way it was, you mm-hmm. know? And I think if I'm left to my own devices, I can be, um, if, I, if I get into that space, mm-hmm. I can be very selfish in mm-hmm. a relationship. Mm-hmm. And it becomes all about Taylor. It becomes mm-hmm. about what Taylor's mood is that day, what Taylor wants to do, what he doesn't feel like doing. Mm-hmm. I know that now.
1: Mm-hmm. The awareness is there. Yeah, the awareness <laughs> is there. I
0: mean, I, I still have to work on it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's something I'm still working through. I mean, of course, it takes practice.
1: Yeah, and like you said earlier, there's not a final destination. There's not going to be a point in time where I'm like, Lauren, now you have a 50-50 balance of masculine and feminine energy and depending on life and what it throws at you, there might be time periods where you feel more this or feel more that, but it's that constant awareness of knowing who you are, knowing that worth, and it's not based on only one leg under the chair. To me, it's spiritually based, that inherent worth, and that spiritual journey can look different for everyone, of course. And, um, yeah, and so it's a process. There's no final destination of fully healed or fully mature but it is important for you to be conscious and aware of your behaviors and like you said having that selfishness to an extent of okay do I need to stay in today but then also if you're dating someone and she's like hey I really have been dying to go to this event um, you being able to you know say okay well I feel good enough today to go to that event she's important to me and this relationship's important to me and so I do want to do that. Yeah.
0: No. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's uh, everything in life really comes down to compromise and mm-hmm. negotiation.
1: Negotiation. That was our favorite term. Last, yeah. <laughs> last podcast. Yeah.
0: No. Well, it's like you have to be able to negotiate, but you also have to to have those boundaries
1: mm-hmm.
2: of
0: what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to mm-hmm. do. And. Every aspect in life is negotiation.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to say a lot of that stuff to an extent up front, not like first date, second date, third date. But once you're really starting to get to know someone, communicating to them what is important to you. So for me, working out, yoga, all of those things are crucial to me feeling like a healthy person. And so, of course, there's going to be times where I'm like, oh, OK, I can skip yoga that night. But for the most part, that is A pretty standard thing that I am going to stick to in my life um, for right now, at least.
0: Yeah, well, it's fine. You have to, going back to everything being a journey, Mm -hmm. you have to be willing to go out and seek those different things. Mm -hmm. And those things are going to change over time. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a few constants that are in there. Yeah. Um, Like for me, it's music. It's playing music. And that is what I... It's such a large part of me. Mm -hmm. It's not the only part of me. There's other parts there. Yeah. But it's one where if I had a bad day at work or if I'm just not into anything and I'm just like, I want to tune the world out, Mm -hmm. time disappears like that. It vanishes Uh in a positive way. Okay. But time can also disappear in a negative way, depending on- How so? If you're just sitting around watching TV, if you're on porn all the time, if Mm -hmm. you're Going out to bars and drinking. Yes. Hours become days, days become years. Mm -hmm. And those habits get harder and harder to break Mm -hmm. the more that you are in them.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's like putting your energy towards something. I don't want to say that's negative, but it's not serving your highest good, most likely. Um, Of course, we've all done that with alcohol, drugs, whatever. But yeah, I do think you're right. It's putting more energy into the things that are serving our highest good. Serving what we feel like is their long term goals, our maturity, our health, that that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, well, it takes practice. Mm-hmm. It in like you were saying, it's not a, it's not even a straight and narrow path. Mm-hmm. You don't know where the ups and downs are gonna be. Like I couldn't have predicted last year in my life at all. You know, yeah. like in a lot of ways, I feel like I reached the peak of what I was able to do musically at that point. Uh huh. Like, I the, the bands I was playing in the gigs I had, I felt so proud of that I was able yeah. to get to that point, and I feel like I earned them. Um, and then, like I left. Part of the reason I left was because of my health, but the other thing was, okay, now I'm here and I'm mm-hmm. doing it. What's next?
1: Yeah, it's almost like. The universe made you take a step back, and if you weren't willing to do it, it physically made you take a step yeah. back, I wonder.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I, a big believer in stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think our our subconscious is so powerful.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We we don't entirely understand it yet from a, even a, a standpoint of science, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't surprise me if as technology gets better, we figure out that it's almost like a sixth sense or sidekick?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's why I think meditation works. And I'm actually trained in this new therapy model now. I, I wasn't trained in last year. It's called EMDR and it's a way to reprogram and help, um, your subconscious. So what happens is we can stay stuck in our amygdala, which is our fight, flight, freeze, fawn response of our brain. Um, and we can just stay there, rock around that whenever we're responding to things that feel overwhelming, but yeah. So doing this therapy model, it's bilateral simulation and you guys have to just look it up online. There's so much more info about it, but I swear it's crazy. It's like Jenga blocks. Someone might be scared of something happening in their current life, um, like losing their physical health and that's a top Jenga block, but then there's a way lower Jenga block of that. They saw, their dad's physical health or their mom's physical health, um, degrading and as a child. And so there's a really deep fear there that's so much deeper than just this fear in the current. Um, so yeah, it's going back and looking at that, re-nurturing that, being aware of that because often we don't, we don't even remember that that's there. So deep.
0: Yeah. EMDR was actually something I, I probably did like four or five sessions oh, with. Oh,
1: cool! Yay! How did it go? Uh,
0: good, honestly. It was the closest thing to taking psychedelics without taking psychedelics that I've
1: experienced. Yeah, I love to hear you say that because I've never taken psychedelics, <laughs> um, and, but I've done in my own therapy with my therapist. I do brain spotting and EMDR. And what is brain spotting? To be completely honest, I kind of mix the two uh, because I like different aspects of both. They're very similar. So brain spotting is a branch off of EMDR. EMDR started first and then brain spotting is it started second. The guy decided that instead of doing like the eye movement or how did you do it? Did you do eye movement?
0: Well, what it was, um, it was almost like being put into a a hypnotic state. I Mm -hmm. had these headphones on and there were these clicks And I Mm -hmm. had these two things um, vibrating in my hands.
1: Yeah, the buzzies. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and uh, basically we replayed traumatic childhood memories.
1: yeah. And honestly, was there some that came up that you had maybe forgotten about?
0: I don't 100% know Mm -hmm. if there was anything that I had forgotten about. It definitely gave me, like, I answered a lot of questions, but some of those... Answers were questions themselves.
1: Ooh, that's good. I like that. Um, So, brain spotting is similar. It's honestly about the same thing. With brain spotting, we do the headphones more than the bilateral stimulation with the eye movement. Okay. Um, Which I, like, personally like the headphones better. But each client, I kind of allow them to have that autonomy of what feels right to them. And I explain each process. And then sometimes if one modality doesn't work, we'll try a different one. That kind of thing. But yeah, it just helps you go back into the deep rooted stuff. Like I was having a really hard time making a decision this last year. It felt like such a big, big decision. And I did brain spotting on it for a couple of sessions. And I had quite a few memories come up of not feeling safe as a little girl. And then also watching a parent struggle to make a decision. Um, And watching that as a little girl, I think four or five, that kind of thing, it, I didn't realize how much it had impacted me and made me feel scared that I can't make a decision. And so I really love that little girl version of me. She's so precious to me. And I realized how much, how important it is for me to make a decision. And honestly, I had to make the decision that felt right to me in this current time period as an adult, not as a little girl who's scared of not having safety. So yeah, it's just this cool ass, Cool ass stuff, therapy. You know.
0: Yeah, no. I, I the human mind is so powerful, and your mm-hmm. mind determines the kind of life that you have. A hundred percent.
1: And then the maladaptive parts are the parts that were trying to protect us. Like, so those girls that you have dated that maybe um, were angry about what were they angry about? I forgot what you said. Um, it it,
0: it was v- it various various <laughs> yeah. things from diff- like different girls had different beefs. There was there was a thread running through for sure of some some of the beefs that they were angry about and rightfully so.
1: Yeah. Like Um, you said, maybe selfishness or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, But yeah. So some of the anger maybe that they had or lack of healthy communication, those are maladaptive behaviors that they learned that did serve them for a period of time. They needed those behaviors maybe during their teen years or who knows, but they're not going to serve in a healthy adult relationship.
0: No, not at all. And it's like, as a man living in modern America, it's like all day long, I hear the things that are wrong with me, with my gender, whatever mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. They're just, and it doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't really give a fuck because yeah. I'm like, I'm an individual. I make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to women, like
2: mm-hmm.
0: from a societal and cultural standpoint, you're not allowed to, to say blanket statements like that. Mm-hmm. And I I know we're kind of going back to the to our earlier conversation, mm-hmm. but and not that anybody should have blanket statements made about them. That's not what I'm saying. Wait,
1: blanket statements like what?
0: Like, um, so for instance, like all men. It was like when the Me Too thing happened. Oh, okay. And rightfully so, it was fucked up.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and people like Harvey Weinstein mm-hmm. are a monster. Mm-hmm. But it was like. Louis CK, I don't know if you know the whole mm-hmm. thing with Louis CK, he's a stand-up comedian.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He got in trouble for asking women if he could masturbate in front of them,
2: mm-hmm.
0: to which they would they would agree to it, but they said they felt uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which is totally valid on mm-hmm. their part. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying. But what I'm saying is we shouldn't group Louis CK in the same group as Harvey Weinstein. Right. Who was raping women yes. and having people follow them and keep tabs mm-hmm, on them.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: Louis did, it wasn't right.
1: Yes, of like,
0: course. Like 100%. He made a mistake. Yeah. But I feel like, personally, from a societal standpoint, that's something you can come back from. Right. There, like, there are blanket statements, I feel like, made... are not mm-hmm. necessarily blanket statements, but generalizations.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to word it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Generalizations that are made. And um, for women, like, this really wasn't a conversation piece, I feel like, until the Amber Heard thing happened. Yeah,
1: which honestly probably needed to be a conversation piece. And there was someone um, that was in my life for a period of time that was very similar to Amber Heard, um, not a biological family member or anything like that. And I was 16 to 23. It was terrifying. It's really scary to have a woman like that in your life. Um, so I, I can imagine obviously Johnny Depp is not a saint or an angel, but I mean, it's very complex and yeah, there's plenty of toxicity with women as well.
0: Well, when you are in a relationship with a toxic person in order to survive, you become toxic yourself and it's mm-hmm. not just yes, yeah with dating. It can be family members. Absolutely. It can be friendships. It can be whatever. Because it's you're trying to survive yes. this relationship. Yes. You can't imagine it not being in your life.
1: Yeah. Well, especially if it's potentially a parent, and you're a child. You that's your survival. So you have to figure out how to survive.
0: Yeah. Behavior
1: wise, well, or whatever.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And it's I think it's way easier to um to mentally justify when it is a parent.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: then you start to make sense of not only the people you've dated, your friendships, mm-hmm. your role in the world. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I had to really, I did a deep dive on everything and basically figured out all the resentments that I had in my life. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's badass. So it's kind of, that reminds me of some of my clients that have done the AA process. And I think that, is that step five? No, I forget what step. Step four. Step four, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, Where you look at all the resentments. And I think that's so crucial. It's almost like, I think of it like you've got, let's say you've got some pimples, some acne. Um, we can't just only put new lotions on our face and then all of that skin problem the skin problems are gonna go away. We need to figure out like, what are we eating? How much are we sleeping? It's so much deeper than just our yeah. skin that's showing, um, that needs to be worked on.
0: Well, it's easy when you're emotionally sick to start blaming everything else of in course. your
1: life. Yeah.
0: Either the people that are around you or mm-hmm. the um oh, my job's not good, this Mm -hmm. is not good, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, yada, 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 all my friends. And there is something to be said for, I think, to the five people that are around you or the the person Mm -hmm. that you become. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. But how old does that statement sound? Like, oh, my God, everything is so bad. Like, the world is so bad. Teenage. Yeah, it's like teenage, maybe even younger of like, I can't control anything um and so that if that's not an adult that's speaking that is your inner regression not you yeah. the person that's making those kind of comments or is coming from a victim place and of course there are situations where people are victims so i'm not talking about those situations absolutely i think it's so funny that we do that shit now we feel like we have to say i'm not talking about situations where people actually are victims you know what yeah. i'm saying like you don't want to get well, in trouble for saying what i just said you no know,
0: i you know I think there's so many positive things that can be said for some of the changes that have been been made, that have yeah, been brought to the absolutely. forefront yeah. the past couple of years, but there is a extremely negative side to it, too. Like,
1: almost like walking on eggshells, like, I don't want anyone to think I'm overgeneralizing yeah. about victimhood, et cetera. Yeah.
0: You no, know, for sure. It, it was, there. there's so much, I feel like, shit going on in the mm-hmm. world. And it always has been. That's the thing. This is all this stuff has always been going on. Yeah. We're just aware. We're
1: looking at it now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're
0: staring at it until our eyes are bulging out of our skulls. Yeah. Which for
1: me, honestly, I have been getting out there in nature. I really I don't even get on TikTok. Really, I have one. i never get on it. I get on Instagram some, but I really have made a conscious effort to just be Um, in the physical world as much as possible. But I love stuff like this, connecting with you, that kind of thing. But, okay, back to the original point. Yes. So um, if someone is making those kind of statements of, like, woe is me and whatnot, they're most likely in a regression. They're in a childhood state emotionally. And so um, the goal then, maybe through therapy or whatever modality fits for them, is to get into the functional adult, which is empowerment, knowing the worth, knowing how to set healthy boundaries, um, not necessarily with other people, but of like, okay, I'm not going to go do that event because I can't physically do it because I've seen plenty of clients where they'll go ahead and do the thing and then they'll be like, oh, I can't believe I had to do that for that person. And I'm like, well, you know, you did choose to do that. You went to the thing. You get. You can say no to things.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Like, For me, I feel – Whenever I hear about other people's problems, as far as like saying yes mm-hmm. to to stuff,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I I don't relate. I try to empathize and sympathize yeah, with it. Yeah, but for me, I have no problem saying. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. you're pretty good at it. Yeah, I'm you almost like, have to push yourself the opposite way. You're right.
0: You're, and that you know what that can go back to the uh, the selfishness. Yeah, that I was talking about earlier.
1: I'm so proud of you. That's awesome that you have that awareness. Because honestly, someone that has that awareness has a hard time admitting that. But the fact that you have it now, you're like, okay, now I can push myself if I'd like.
0: Yeah. Well, I used to not be aware of that.
1: Okay. Um yeah.
0: and, and again, it, it was going through like step four in SLAA and like mm-hmm. learning what my resentments are, like that I had
1: problems uh-huh.
0: with authority. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I was just in this constant fear state. Res- mm-hmm. Resentment resentment and fear are like peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. They go together.
1: Absolutely. 100%. And I'm the opposite of you where I um, my history is more so the people pleasing and let me say yes to everything. I'm scared. I'm like, if I think of a little girl, Lauren, I'm so scared for anyone to ever be mad. So I'm just going to do everything that I can to make sure everyone's okay. Um, so deep rooted in codependency. And, yeah. um, but yeah. I've done really well. I would say it at, at say, if I need to say no and I'll sit with self for a little bit to make that decision. Um yeah, so I really I've in the past two years I'd say I've channeled that really well and I don't say yes to things that don't work for me anymore.
0: Yeah, I think the um my cardinal sin if I had one mm-hmm. is saying no <laughs> to things that work for me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You
0: know, um it, it's like there's this one thing I can think of in, in particular, um, just a, a relationship that I did mm-hmm. have um last year where it was it was really working yeah and it was great
1: uh-huh. and
0: then i just impulsively decided to break up with her one day <laughs>
1: like do you think it was maybe self-sabotage or yeah
0: 100 it was and i mean i was also in a massive depression because yeah. of yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so that was a part of it too um the, the mm-hmm. area i was in my life but um yeah i can definitely be very um very avoidant mm-hmm. you know i yeah I, I think that 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 has been the, the biggest thing is and it was the opposite when I was- um, Younger. Yeah, when I was younger.
1: You told me about that, yeah. Yeah,
0: where I always, like, especially if it was for um, for a, a girl, woman, mm-hmm. whatever, um, I would always feel like it was a reflection of me. Yes. It, like how yeah. I was.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and I, I overcorrected. Yes. When I got burned enough times mm-hmm. from being that way. And I almost became too- too rigid and too aggressive
1: yes and that's exactly what we were talking about earlier taylor of like too much of that black and white thinking of okay like i'm too rigid or too easygoing and just let everyone walk all over me that kind of thing so it sounds like you overcorrected but then you realize that it sounds like that doesn't really serve you
0: (laughs) it's a theme in my life that uh, i overcorrect yeah like i see because I like being a, a go getter. You yes. know what I mean. I like really, just like one of my biggest inspirations in life is Teddy Roosevelt. Uh
2: huh.
1: Yeah. He's my
0: favorite president. Yes. Um, and he had he was sick uh, when he was a child, and he willed himself out of having uh, asthma. Did you yeah, know about I that? I had
1: no idea. I do have asthma, so I'd he, love. I need to learn more. <laughs> yeah,
0: but he um, like he was shot during a speech.
1: Oh, yeah. In his
0: chest, mm-hmm. and he still gave the speech for like yeah. three or four hours. So, like that kind just of this
1: deep will and yeah. power.
0: <laughs> yes. And like th- that to me, when I hear something like that, I'm like, that is exactly what I'm going yeah.
1: for. Just yeah.
0: Just the nonstop, like, I'm punching until I fall down. Yeah. Which is great, but you have to be able to turn that off.
1: Exactly. That's, that's like a
0: superpower.
1: Mm hmm. And it's necessary at times. For sure. But it's not going to serve you in a healthy, loving relationship.
0: (laughs) Again, learn that from experience. Yes.
1: But also, I mean, to your defense, I will say if you were in a deep, dark place and I've been there before, too, where I didn't feel like I was in the a good place maybe the person seemed great but I wasn't maybe in the best place I really needed to refocus on Lauren and reground myself and so it wasn't necessarily that the other person's done anything wrong and so it could have not necessarily been all self-sabotage it could have been you knowing that you couldn't give to the relationship what you would have liked to give so it's like and she maybe would have stayed in it anyway that's sweet but you don't want to do that to her if you need to rebuild you well that was
0: one of my justifications at the time when I did it
1: Mm -hmm. was
0: that I felt like I can't give my like I was I wasn't capable of giving the 100% that I wanted to give Mm -hmm. you know and that was a part of it but there was other stuff too with me that I was just being a dick
2: about yeah if I'm
0: gonna be real yeah. Just being way too rigid. Like, I have to do the podcast. I have to do this. I have to do that. I can't do this right now. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah, I get into right. those modes <laughs> yeah. where I'm like, don't bother me. Don't look at me. Don't breathe my direction. I'm doing something.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I'm curious, it could be part of that survival mode that you've had from younger years of like, okay, you've just got to go. And then this is priority. It 100% over... is. yeah. Oh, and you actually said that before. You said you weren't as connected to maybe your dad and your sister, um, because you were so much relying on that one leg of your life, which was career, the pop dimness, money, yeah. et cetera. And so that's like maybe your default, but you realized this last year how much you do value yeah, your no. family. And-
0: Absolutely. I, 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 and I think I, I always did too. Cause yeah, I, I wouldn't just describe myself even as someone, um, who is a a romantic necessarily. Yeah. But I also realize that's untrue as well because I am.
1: Yeah. You know, I think most of us are to an extent we want connection.
0: Yeah. It's so
1: crucial to us as humans is healthy connection and love and all of that.
0: It's, it's all healthy and normal. Mm -hmm. And I saw, and this, this wasn't even in this relationship that I'm referring to. Yeah. But I saw prior, you know, years prior to that, Mm -hmm. um, I saw that almost as weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, I was disgusted by. Yeah. It. Like, I don't need I don't need a woman in my life, you got gotta. Yeah. But I realized the value um, of someone kind of looking over my shoulder mm-hmm. and pulling pulling on those reins being like, "Hey, Mm-hmm. you need to chill for a second.
1: Yeah. Well, and yeah, that it's like a teammateship. If you can find someone that is not, I don't want to say find someone. If you match with someone that is healthy and in a good place, it's you've got a teammate and that's awesome. If you have childhood trauma that tells you that a partner might not be healthy or they can bring you down or, you know, it could be a variety of different things that they're addicted or they're avoidant or whatever, then you, you can sometimes tend to attract those kind of people but then also you can have a fear of like okay well if all people are like that then I'm just going to be alone <laughs> 100%
0: and that's that's where I was yeah you know a I long think, time ago yeah 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 that's that's exactly where I was when I just I think I saw so many um, so many negative examples in my childhood
2: mm-hmm.
0: of both, I want to word this this wisely. Yes, you know, um, negative examples of women and the way that they treated men, mm-hmm. um, and it it definitely made me uh, a misogynist.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: because i I mm-hmm. thought this is how this is how women are. This is da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. it's not true. That's how those women were.
1: Absolutely, and again, that was rooted in something for them. Doesn't make it an excuse, especially to the child version. Of Taylor or whoever it is, um, but it was never about you. It was. It's never. It's about them and their history. Yeah. Um, those behaviors are are stopping them from connecting to people in in an authentic and healthy way, which is sad.
0: Well, you get to a point in life that you start to see the people that have been around your life, adults, not mm-hmm. just parents, um, but adults in general that you grew up with, other family members. Mm-hmm. You see them as humans in the world
1: human yeah isn't that wild
0: (laughs) it it gets wild when you start to see it that way um and for me like once in a positive way just realizing like my dad and Mm -hmm. uh how he is Mm -hmm. he just he's someone who has character yeah you know what i mean he has a good moral makeup I love that. He always does the right thing. He's a Boy Scout.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: Like that kind, that was, kind of a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in the Navy for 20 years. Oh, how
1: awesome. Yeah, so yeah. It,
0: it's just like so many of those values he instilled in me mm-hmm. of like having discipline. If you do something right, do it right the first time
2: mm-hmm.
0: to get it out of the way firstly. Mm-hmm. And then to, you don't have to go back and fix it again. Mm-hmm. Just do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. There was another another thing that he really instilled upon me, and this kind of goes back to mm-hmm. the silver lining. I think this was something his dad used to tell him, but uh-huh. I'm not 100% sure. Um, whenever something bad would happen, like I uh-huh. would get a flat tire or a giant snowstorm would come. I grew up in Maine, and we'd have to shovel. I'd mm-hmm. have to wake up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. He would say, it builds character.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well...
0: And he's right. It he's did. What, yeah, it <laughs> built it built character.
1: Yeah. And you said this on a podcast a couple of podcasts ago about growing up like lower middle class and how you just kinda had to have that drive. And I think that also builds character and that's so crucial. Um, that's something that I've kind of had to adjust to as a therapist here in Nashville. In Arkansas, a lot of my clients were like lower middle class and A lot of my clients that I've gotten here in Nashville, um, their families come from a lot of money. And so it's been a unique experience for me working with people from those populations more so. Um,
0: Own different set of unique problems.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Still, we're all human and we've all got our struggles of anxiety, depression, whatever it might be, um, childhood trauma. But, yeah, it's just – it was a unique set of stuff that I've – it's been really awesome, though. I really value all my clients and – their journeys, but the humanist thing. So that's something that I'm trying to um, work on, understanding where that balance is as a therapist, because I feel like so many people look to us of like, okay, they must be perfect or they have it all figured out, and yeah, yeah. like, hell no, we definitely do not. We're human too, and um, yeah. So it's this, it's this balance of figuring that out as well. That Stutz movie was really cool. Have you seen that?
0: No, but I know who you're talking yeah. about, and I know the book. Yeah. Uh, what is it? It's a blue book. I can see the cover. Phil Stutz, he's a therapist, mm-hmm. right? He's a therapist. in the, the uh, Using the tools.
1: Yes, using the tools, yeah. And so that was neat, um, just watching that and experiencing how he was behind the scenes, that kind of thing.
0: I'll have to watch it. Yeah,
1: you'll have to watch it. It was a good movie.
0: Yeah, he's like a therapist for the stars,
2: right?
1: Yes, for a lot of the celebrities. He's yeah. a really—well, actually, he might be a psychiatrist. I'm not sure, but regardless, he, he definitely does have his doctorate. And one thing that I've seen a lot of— um, maybe psychiatrist or people that have their doctorate do is it's not so much about sitting there with the client and learning the tools and doing the different modalities. So he's unique and I think that's why so many of the celebrities go to him is because he does really care about like helping them.
0: For Sure, if that makes
1: sense, yeah. Yeah, well, I
0: imagine once you get to a certain point of success in life in Hollywood, whatever, mm-hmm. um, more and more people are not going to tell you the truth mm-hmm. and they're not going to be an objective third party. Mm-hmm. The way I heard about him was from um, Chaz Palmentary, he's an actor,
1: mm-hmm. I'm not sure.
0: Um, so Chaz, he was in uh, Night at the Roxbury. Okay. You know that movie?
1: Yeah, I do. Like, I can see the image in my head of them dancing, yeah, right? But, yeah. like, I just I don't remember it. Well, well in
0: the movie, he, he played just, like, a small, like, bit part. Hmm. Um, but he was also in this movie called The Bronx Tale, and that's uh-huh. what he was famous for. Do you know that one?
1: No. <laughs> it's <laughs> I phenomenal. need to start on these movies. I'm a movie nerd. Yeah.
0: Um, but a Bronx Tale... He, but Chaz has a podcast today and he talks mm-hmm. about all sorts of different things.
1: Mm-hmm. What is the podcast?
0: Um it, it's just called the Chaz Palmenthari oh, show. Oh cool.
1: Cool cool. Um
0: I'll I'll try and find a good episode and send it yeah, to you. Send I think it to you, you know. would really enjoy it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um he's a very old school guy. Mm-hmm. I mean he's probably in his late 60s early 70s. Mm-hmm. Grew up in a very different area.
1: Yeah.
0: In the Bronx in New York. Yeah. When racism yes. was very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um and he grew up in a, a big mafia neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So, like the the story of Bronx Tale,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, it's the story of his childhood mm-hmm. and this relationship that he had with a gangster in his neighborhood
2: mm-hmm.
0: named Sonny. In the movie, he actually plays Sonny. He plays oh, the yeah. gangster. Um, but Sonny, he's a uh, he's Machiavellian. Okay, it's street rules. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like in when you're in that base level survival, you almost have to be that mm-hmm. way when you're doing gangster shit like mm-hmm.
2: that. Yeah.
0: I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's interesting to kind of see it goes back to the old adage of there's two wolves inside you.
1: Yes. You know, and yeah. it, it's
0: all about the wolf that you feed. Yeah. And this movie is very much about um Chaz's character mm-hmm. like as a as a child, mm-hmm. um, which wolf he fed. Okay. Father is uh, in the movie is Robert De Niro. He's a bus driver, working class guy, does things by the book. Okay. And then Chaz is the gangster. He's real flashy. He's got money. He's got women. He has, on the surface, a great life.
1: Yeah. It's almost like that better than route of like, I'm the best, but it's this um, facade in a way. So, and then. So it's not reality. It's not a healthy security, a healthy sense of self. It comes from. Um, the facade from this fakeness, which is yeah,
0: and when you live by the sword, you die by the sword,
1: right? But I do love gangster movies. I yeah. like Goodfellas. I like okay. All- so I love you gangster would, movies. You would love
0: a Bronx Tale.
1: Though. I'm excited. I'll have to watch it soon.
0: Complex PTSD. What can you tell me
2: about
1: it? Oof. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think that EMDR and brain spotting are some some great modalities to work with complex PTSD. We all know PTSD is like one event happens, like 9-11, a war, something like that, different things that'll cause PTSD. Complex PTSD is like living in an unhealthy environment with people that are emotionally immature and um, toxic and that kind of thing for a long time. It could be spiritual abuse, physical abuse, um, emotional abuse that causes it, and yeah, The main ways that it causes people to respond are the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn responses.
0: What is the fawn response? I know what the other ones are.
1: Codependency. So let me let me make you feel better. If I can make my this sounds extreme abuser this person that's unhealthy feel better, then maybe that things will be okay. Um, So fight typically is more narcissistic tendencies. doesn't mean it's NPD again. And then flight is more OCD, like fear around not having control, that kind of thing. Freeze, you disassociate. So you're like completely just out of it. I have a client now, um, obviously no names or anything, but had a trauma regression, spoken on the phone with her dad and he's the main one in her childhood that caused a lot of mm-hmm. uh, pain and stuff. And her partner, Noticed her just staring at the kitchen counter for about thirty minutes, um, and her partner was like, "Hey, babe, like, do you want to come sit on the couch?" Because she had just gotten off the phone with Very her dad. Withdrawn. She, yeah, she was completely disassociated at that moment. She has I the awareness and the tools now to know after she snapped out of it. But we still can often go back to those coping skills, those initial reactions.
0: Well, it, it, I feel like it's something that. You can never one hundred percent necessarily be free of. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can just be aware
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you're having, I'll say, a flare up.
1: Yes, that's a great way to word it. Or like like you said, if you notice yourself feeling like, okay, I need to flight and I need to just get rid of this relationship. Breathe for a second, and then realize like, okay, let me really get sturdy in myself. Let me calm myself down, self soothe, and then decide: Does this feel like it's coming from a healthy, authentic place? Or is it out of a response from my amygdala, which is, like, I need to get out of here because it feels better if I just leave this relationship? Yeah. Does that make sense a little? It
0: absolutely makes sense. Okay.
1: So, yeah, it's like calming yourself down before we respond or make any big, big decisions.
0: I think for me, uh, for a long time, it was...
1: More the fight.
0: Well... It's like I changed roles throughout mm-hmm. my sickness. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it would go it definitely when I was younger, like mm-hmm. early adulthood, it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was try to fix.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Um, Try to be a fixer. From that, that didn't work. So I would try to fight.
1: Yeah. That yeah. didn't
0: work. So I think the baseline throughout it, though, was the freeze thing. Like, uh-huh. I very much disassociated. Mm-hmm. Um, And in those moments, it was like the breakup I talked about. That was a Mm -hmm. clear case of flight.
1: It sounds like that to an extent. Yeah. Because
0: even my friends were kind of just like, you broke up with her? Why?
1: Mm -hmm. Like,
0: surprise. Yeah. Because, like, I have good enough friends.
1: They'll kind of be honest with you. (laughs) They'll be honest.
0: Like, if I brought around a a girl who really, like, her personality sucks, they would say something to
1: me. If she wasn't a fit, they'll let you know. Yeah.
0: For (laughs) sure. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that is good, healthy friendship to yes, have those people in, in your life. Um, but there's something also to be said for 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 me. I, I would consider myself a friend like that for other people, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: when I, uh, I I learned tact as time mm-hmm. went on. Mm-hmm. you know, because I would just bludgeon people. Yeah. I, I, I was great at um, at dropping the hammer mm-hmm. and that's a good skill to have. And being direct with people, Mm -hmm. what I've learned as time has gone on is it's in very, very, very rare circumstances Mm -hmm. that you have to be direct Mm -hmm. or drop that hammer. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, maybe like 10% of the time, something like that. It's not a ton. It is necessary at times, of course. It's necessary.
0: It's a Um, weapon. Yeah. And weapons should only be used in self-defense.
1: Ooh, love that yeah. statement. <laughs> that compli- I'm going to tell my clients that <laughs> maybe put it on a board. Weapons should only be used in self-defense. Yeah, absolutely. And also with self-defense, maybe you just need to exit the situation rather than drop a hammer. Yeah. Like um, sometimes if you're in a situation where it's unhealthy or even a friendship, maybe just discontinuing that to an extent or pulling back from it.
0: Yes. I can't remember if we talked about this last time, but mm-hmm. I was in a job. This was several years ago. Mm-hmm. It was a horrible job. I mm-hmm. worked at these apartments. Did we talk about no, this? No, we didn't talk about it. Okay. So this this goes into You're that. like, here we go. <laughs> um so I was working at um this apartment complex um for this this property management company. And basically what had happened, I was starting to to have beef with like
2: Mm-hmm.
0: the maintenance staff, not in a bad way. I was mm-hmm. I was busting their chops a little bit because mm-hmm. this particular apartment complex, we had like 200 down units for the ACs mm-hmm. and there's 400 units in there. So mm-hmm. that was over 50% and I was a leasing consultant. People were coming in on the daily, mm-hmm. rightfully complaining about their ACs not working While Mm -hmm. I was trying to get tours and make money, Mm because i I had an hourly rate, but I also got paid off of Mm -hmm. how many apartments I leased. Mm -hmm. I started doing my own investigation because I felt like there was no investigation being done, and no one was questioning this. And what had happened in me starting to go through this thread, I was Mm -hmm. like Batman, basically figuring out with the the, with the what yeah, was going on? You're
1: trying to help the people yeah, and I yourself. Was, <laughs> yeah,
0: I was trying to help the the residents yeah. in the dead of summer and also myself with making money. Um but eventually it came out that the assistant manager was taking the maintenance guys and having gangbangs in vacant apartments. <gasps> oh my gosh. And that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Oof. What the, once it came out, what happened next? was they only fired her. They didn't fire any of the maintenance guys. Oh,
1: my God. And
0: I did not like this woman at all. Yeah. We were were enemies. But I raised hell. I was like, morally, this is wrong. Uh This is sick. You're disgusting. Yeah. I was like throwing
1: that (laughs) shit around at them. Dropped a hammer there. I
0: dropped the hammer Uh Uh-huh. But it ended up putting a giant target on my back. Of they, course. they were constantly trying to write me up after that. Yeah. And we were basically in this this dueling war and I'd be like you're about to write me up when you didn't fire maintenance guys who were smoking blunts and getting right. blow jobs. Which, again, no judgment on what they were actually doing. Whatever. People can do what they want, but it was affecting me and it was affecting.
1: It it sounds like it was work time, work work affiliated, all of that. Very illegal, unethical, all of that. And I,
0: I, those were the exact words that I used. I said, this is Mm -hmm. illegal. This Mm -hmm. is unethical. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a huge problem with this. Morally morally wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, it's like, it's fine that you fired her, but also fire the guys. Yeah. And I like the maintenance guys. I got along great with them.
1: Yeah, but yeah.
0: But. Um,
1: you couldn't continue that job.
0: Well, here's the thing. I stayed there and they were constantly trying to fire me. They mm-hmm. were, like I was saying, they were always trying to write me up.
1: It's like always an arm wrestling match. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was
0: so unhealthy for me mentally. And they oh, were, for they sure. They were gaslighting the shit out of me. And what was crazy is that all the managers at this job, mm-hmm. this is unpopular to say, they were all women. Mm-hmm. So there was weirdness with that as well the fact that they fired her
1: Mm -hmm. i feel
0: like it was a little bit of a slut shaming kind of a thing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah
1: yeah yeah um
0: and i didn't use those words exactly but
1: yeah but it felt like that
0: yeah it felt like that and i had words with my boss one day Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm not proud of this even though i was right Mm-hmm. This was a, a factual statement. Just
1: because I, we're right doesn't mean we should do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: But I, I said she was a pill-popping drunk.
1: Yeah. And yeah. She,
0: she was. It's true. Yeah. It's But what I learned in that is, in this is going back to kind of what you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. there is value in breaking even and just getting away from a situation.
1: hundred percent. And the same as the universe like put you on your ass this last year physically, it sounds like it was for your highest good because of that reconnect with your dad and that reconnect um, with just your soul and your sister and all of that, it sounds like that was a situation where the universe um, was also like, hey, which maybe for a little while you did need to learn how to fight, negotiate all of that. But then after a while, your body, your, your soul, your brain is just too tired. You've got to leave those situations. Yeah.
0: Well, I ended up getting fired from that job yeah. because of that situation with my boss. And then... After that is when I started mm-hmm. the podcast. So it all well, worked out. <laughs> well, it, actually, I'm, I'm screwing up my timeline. It was a little bit before that that I started that job, but I started it. But I started taking music way more seriously. Yes. I moved over to East Nashville. Yeah. I started hanging out with my... Music friends, like all the people that are regularly on the mm-hmm. podcast now, like Josh Norfleet, that yeah. was all in that time period.
1: Yeah.
2: He
0: came over and did an episode the night before I got fired.
1: Wow. How crazy. Yeah. So it just gave you time and energy to pour into what felt healthy for Taylor rather than pouring into this bullshit thing that you thought was what you needed to make money. But it's like you obviously made it financially after that yeah. anyway. So it was,
0: it was tough, but I, uh, I was scrappy. Mm-hmm. It, it made me scrappier,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, and i I learned how to. Uh, I learned how to f- a fight in a back alley in terms of life.
1: Yeah, you know? I love that. Like, will that scrappiness? I remember my first summer of college. I. Didn't really want to go home. And so I was like, oh, my God, what can I do? And I asked some different people and they were like, hey, honestly, you can clean the bathrooms at this uh, like university housing place. And I was like, hell, yeah, I'm cleaning all these toilets. So they were like, that'll pay your rent and then you'll make enough to have food. And I'm like, hell, yeah, we're doing that. So we love a scrappy person.
0: But how important are those jobs, though?
1: They're crucial. I feel like they do. Like your dad says, build character. Yeah. And honestly, you just connect with people that also understand you and understand that, like, hey, I don't have, like, daddy's money, mom's money to just go and live a free summer and do all this stuff. Um, I've got to work here.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that that apartment job was one of the biggest, like, life lessons Mm -hmm. that I learned. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, actual shit, like, jobs, though, I would say the biggest one for me was probably working at Target. Huh. I hated
1: it. Yeah. Maybe Hate that big it. company thing or what? What's that? Because it was like such a big company or I've well, never worked it, at a big company. It, so so
0: it, it was a couple different things. For mm-hmm. one, I had to be there at 4.30 a.m. Oh, no. This was right around the time that I figured out like I started smoking weed and I mm-hmm. was figuring out like how to get laid and shit. Yeah. So it did not line up with yeah. my life goals and values. You're like I, This
1: is too early.
0: It's way too early my boss they they also stuck me in the back i'm a man of the people put me on the cash register yeah
1: get your ass out there in the front <laughs> yeah
0: that's where that's where they should have put me but um but you know what that was their beef what i've learned as years have gone on like mm-hmm. that guy who was my manager he was miserable yeah he was a miserable yeah. sad sad person Mm -hmm. Um, he, like he would get done working at noon there and then he would go to McDonald's to be Mm -hmm. the manager. And I'm, I'm not talking Mm -hmm. shit about being a a manager Mm -hmm. at McDonald's or anything like that. You got to do what you got to do for your family.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: But he wanted to make other people's lives miserable.
1: Yeah. So that's someone projecting their like anger or pain or whatever it is onto others. And, um, yeah, that's sucks. I do not like being around people like that and I I really am thankfully not really around people like that and if I ever notice that someone's like that, I'm just that that person's not going to be in my life.
0: Well, it's another thing that takes practice to be able to recognize
2: mm-hmm. that.
0: Cuz I think when I was young, not that I'm young now, but younger and less experienced in the seasons of life. Yeah. You get around people and sometimes Someone can have a lot of gusto and get things done, mm-hmm. but they're not aware of their own
1: mm-hmm. bullshit. Yeah, a hundred percent. I could see that. I like what your dad said um, about where you're at in life, and it's almost like it sounds like he's a good person to give you perspective. Oh yeah. And I think it's so healthy to have people like that that we look up to that can give us perspective that are. More mature, older, that kind of thing. For sure. Um, And I have quite a few of those that I'm really grateful for.
0: Lauren, what are you excited about? Is there anything on the horizon for you?
1: Yeah, I'm so excited about continuing my podcast. Thanks to your encouragement. Of
0: course. Hey, I'm honored.
1: Thank you. And then also just travel and family, all that kind of stuff. And life. I love life for the most part. There's, of course, lows, but, yeah, it's part of it.
0: Hey. There's peaks and valleys. Amen. Where can people find you at?
1: They can find me at Lauren Gomez at SoulFit Counseling, at SoulFit Yoga. And now the podcast is on Spotify and it's just SoulFit. And it's got my face on there. <laughs>
0: awesome. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Uh, you're
0: going to be uh, continue to be a repeat guest. You, you're always very insightful. I love having you
1: on. Love it.
0: Keep on dreaming. I'll see you next week.
2: In the morning,
3: you hear the work bell ring, and I march you to the table, you see the same old thing, ain't no food upon the table.